Thank you, church family. Take your Bible and go to the book of Acts, chapter 16. We're continuing our uh, preaching through the book of Acts during these days. And we come this morning to a message that I've entitled, A Place of Prayer. A Place of Prayer. Paul and Silas have heard the Macedonian call. They are set to take the gospel uh, across uh, the sea and into Europe. And thank God they went there so that others would come here uh, in years after that. Today we come to look thematically at uh, prayer out of our text in Acts 16, beginning in verse 11 and reading down through verse 18. So you've got your copy of the Bible and you follow along with me as we read from Acts 16, beginning in verse 11. You listen and follow along because this now is the word of our great God. So putting out to the sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And it happened as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, these men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. We find Paul twice going to the place of prayer. I'm encouraging you, these next 20 days, go to the place of prayer in a new way, in a more determined way. In the morning at 6.30, out in the Corners building, come join me if you can. Be there. Pray with us. I'll bring a brief devotional Monday, Tuesday, and then others will lead out in varied days. I can't come every day. I have to be out of town from time to time doing something. You may not can come every day, but you can come some of the days. I'll be online when I can't be there and following along with the devotional. Then we'll pray together in that place of prayer. And as I said on the Friday of the 20th day, we'll gather together in a community dinner. And invite all of you to come, uh, men, women, boys, girls, come, and then we're going to kick off our women's ministry, women at Olive, ordinary men, we'll have that wonderful meal, and then we'll gather together and have fellowship in that night. 
Liz and I are beginning our days and our quiet time, and then for these 20 days, we're going uh, to have an extended period of time in the evening uh, that we will pray together. I encourage you, pray much. Go to a place of prayer. And join me mornings, as you can, at 6.30. Now, Paul has come to Philippi. It's a Roman colony. It took 10, 10 men, 10 Jewish men to establish a synagogue in any city. They did not have those 10 men in Philippi. There was no synagogue yet in that city. So Paul went out to the river, a place of prayer where some would gather to pray. Paul most often would go to the synagogue. He was a trained rabbi, Pharisee. Going into the city, he would go and have great standing, and they would let him speak and preach at least one time. When they heard the gospel, he didn't always get invited back, but sometimes he did. Well, this day there was no synagogue, and so he goes out to this place of prayer. There he finds Lydia. You know, a Pharisee every day made this declaration to God. Lord, I thank you that I am neither a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Every day, the Pharisee's declaration unto God. Lord, thank you that I am neither a Gentile. A slave or a woman. And yet in Galatians 3, after God had changed his life, Paul wrote that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, but that we are all one before the Lord. That does not mean that there are not males and females. Doesn't mean there's not Jews and Greeks. It means when we come to Christ, we stand before the Lord on level ground. We, we are one. And he went out, and there he was with the women. And he was speaking with them. And he was praying with them. I want to encourage you that you, these 20 days, draw near, come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace. And there you will find mercy and grace for your time. Need. Come boldly and then go boldly. Come boldly to the throne, go boldly with the gospel. That is going to be thematically what we are challenging our Olive family to be about in these days to come. How would Paul pray? What would they be praying about when they would go to the riverside and pray? Well, I don't know all they did, but I find five things that we should pray about that I believe they prayed about uh, in this passage. So see them with me. And a couple of times along the way, I'm going to ask us to stop and practice and cry out unto the Lord as we pray. What did they pray for? Well, number one, pray for mission doors to open. Pray for God to open mission doors. Here they are. They have come into Philippi, then into Europe. They've heard the call, come over and help us. And Paul did. We should be looking for new places New mission points where we can take the gospel across the seas, across the states, and even across our city 
that we would take the gospel. You know, this afternoon, be praying. Uh, there's a Russian congregation that meets. Sometimes you forget that. There's a Russian congregation meets on this campus. Today, later in the afternoon, will be the first gathering of the new Chinese congregation that will gather on this, con on this uh, corner right here uh, at Olive. That Chinese group is kicking off, and they are starting in the North American Mission Board helping us uh, to be uh, about that. Uh, also, the Hispanic work that, that meets here. We're grateful to God for these mission points. Down at Warrington, that campus five years ago, I was walking out the door this morning and someone came to me and said, Pastor, do you know about so-and-so? It might be a place where Olive needs to uh, infuse life and replant and help. Uh, that we should be looking for points of mission. Pray, pray, pray that God would show us where not to go, as God said to Paul, Bithynia, no. South of Michigan, no. Cross to Philippi, yes. That we would know. And God would open mission doors to us. Secondly, I believe we should pray for the hearts, lost hearts to open. Pray that lost hearts would open unto the Lord. Now, now look right here. When he is in this place, this woman, Lydia, a seller of purple, heard him speaking. And uh, the Bible tells us in verse 14, this woman, seller of purple, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by the apostle Paul. Three people got saved in Philippi. While Paul was there, first time, when you read the book of Philippians, you can come back and see his joy about this first meeting. Three people got saved. First of all, Lydia, God opened her heart. Then the girl with the demon spirit, Paul cast it out. And then they're going to find themselves in the Philippian jail. God's going to shake the jail. And the man's going to cry out, what must I do to be saved? Friend, there's all kind of theology uh, that is here. And it helps us with our balanced approach to evangelism. For Lydia, God opened her heart. There are some today who will tell you, you shouldn't give an invitation. You, you shouldn't press the gospel. You shouldn't do anything. And God will do it all. He'll open their heart. Well, yes, friend, you can't get saved unless God opens your heart. That's the way it works. It's called foreknowledge, predestination, election. God draws it. But then the girl of divination, what happened to her? Paul cast out the demon. And if you're going to get in to dealing with demons, you better be prayed up and dressed up. You better be full of the Holy Ghost and have on the full armor of God. I had one this week asking me to pray in that way. But then on the other side, you find the Philippian jailer gets saved, and he comes in and says, what must I do to be saved? Well, it's not that we can save ourselves. God opens our heart, but we go. Do you see the balanced approach that is here in Philippi? There are some who, who just say, leave it all to the Lord. Don't give an invitation. Don't press the deal. Don't give out a tract. No, you, you just preach and pray and leave it all. Well, when I find them in the Word of God, they are expressing, come unto the Lord. Jesus said to those, come and follow me. Paul went and, and led people on. You see, it's a balanced approach. God is the only one who can open the heart. Yes. Amen. But our job with the Great Commission is to press the gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That God will make disciples and then we baptize and 
draw them uh, uh, unto ourselves. It, it, it is the balance between Romans 8, 29 with foreknowledge and the great commission of Matthew 28, 19 and 20. I have people on both sides, and if you're not careful, you, you'll go to seed on, on either. Some people over here, they work and work and work, and it's like you don't even have to pray, and, and, and you just do it, and you do it, and you do it, and it's all man-made. On the other side, there, there are people who say, well, there's nothing for you to do. You, you just pray and preach, and then don't, don't dare talk to anybody. It's not either of those things. It's both of those come together. You find it in the Word of God. Find it right here in Philippi. What must I do to be saved? Hmm. We told him. You see, God draws, God saves, and then man is called to believe and repent. You find it all through the Word of God. We need to pray today that God would open lost hearts. Can we at least agree on that? We should pray for lost hearts, for God to open those hearts. I can't open them, but the Spirit of God can. So I want us just to pause right. Do you know anybody lost? Are you praying for anybody lost? I've got names written right over here in front of my Bible that I'm praying for. They're my ones we've talked about in day. Who's your one? So I'd like to just, let's just pause right here at point two. And then we'll give three more very quickly. Would you just stop right now and pray for someone you know that does not know Christ? They are lost. They need Jesus. And I want you to call their name unto the Lord there in the quietness of your soul. I'm going to pray in just a moment. Close our prayer time. So just don't fiddle with your phone, not reading anything, not... Just bow your head before, just bow your head right now and call the name of some lost individual that you know needs the Lord, that God would open their heart. Lord, you know the names of those I have written in the front of my Bible. Open those hearts, I pray. Draw them unto yourself. And draw me unto them at the right time. Lord, I can't save them. Only you can do that. Only you can raise people from spiritual death to spiritual life. Yet, Lord, you've called us to be gospel tellers, proclaimers, witnesses. And I pray that we would believe you and together you would use us. When our friends open their hearts to be saved, I pray. And for those of late that you've done that, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep praying for lost hearts to be open. Number three, pray for selfish wallets to open. He said, where in the world did you get that out of the text? Well, if you look in verse 19, when this girl with the spirit of divination was healed, the demon came out of her, the Bible says in verse 19, and when their masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And you know what happened then? They put them in the stocks and they put them in prison. And there they were. Their hope of profit was gone. The love of money is the root of all evil. Now I want to challenge you today that you pray for the selfish wallets 
that gather here to be opened. Mm-hmm. He says, well, Pastor, you believe in tithing? I believe it's a great starting place. From there and beyond. And I surely ought to be able to do more under grace than they did under law. So I begin there and give. So I want to challenge you that you make a new commitment in your giving. If you're a giver, you're already saying amen. If you're not, you're, you're hoping this point passes quickly. I just want to challenge you. Be praying for our church that God would open the wallets of people Oh, my Lord, if everybody in this church gave a tithe from now to the 31st day of December, we'd have to pray and fast a month to figure out what to do with offering. It'd be remarkable. It's already remarkable. But it would be even more so. So I challenge you. My wife and I got a Christmas card this year. And in that Christmas card were six $100 bills. Six. And that card said, Pastor, two for you, two for Liz, and two to give away. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. So my wife gave away four. And I said, what, what are you doing? I said, did you read the card? These people love you. They, she said they gave me two to give away. I gave away. She said they're, they're two, and they said it was for me. I could do what I want to with it. I said, I understand, but it was for you. She said, I gave two away. I gave two more away, and then you carnally kept your two. I said, in Jesus' name, amen. That's right. Oh, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. It's a joy to give. To give and to give. I encourage you that, that you just be a great giver and pray this year for the wallets, selfish wallets, that they would be opened and people would learn to give unto others and to give through the local church. Number four. Pray for jail cells to open. Hmm. They put them in a prison. And the Bible says they prayed and sang at midnight. And, and, and the doors popped open and the chains fell off. <laughs> they took Paul and Silas. They put them in jail. put them in stocks. There they put the chains on their arms or legs. They had them chained there. Now hear me. When I say pray for the jail cells to open, I'm not asking you to go down to the Escambia County Jail and walk around it seven times. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the jail cells of trouble that come in your life and come in my life. We all have trouble. For these men, they were unlawfully, really, and against the mind of God, placed in jail. This was trouble, T-R-O-U-B-L-E. The capital T, they're in trouble. And you will have trouble this year. And what you need to do is pray for these jail cells to open. Trouble comes in three ways. Tribulation, 
suffering and affliction. Tribulation, Jesus said about it in John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. For you in this world will have philipsis, philipsis, philipsis. That is the word tribulation. But take courage, I've overcome the world. That word philipsis means to squeeze down into a small place. It's, it's stress and strife. You ever have any tribulation? Man, I had tribulation today. I, I, had, I had a hard time between church services. I almost didn't preach at 11 o'clock. I went back in the green room, the prayer room, and just said, Lord, I'm... I'm just going to take 11 o'clock off. Just tell them to do it. Let John sing. Send them home. I'm done. You, you ever just get speared in your spirit? You ever had a tough word come to you? Philipsis. If you may not have it this morning, let me tell you, you're going to have tribulation before this year's out. You're going to have it squeezing you down. Stress, high blood pressure, difficulty. Be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. Tribulation. Secondly, suffering. Suffering. Romans 8, 18. That for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. But suffering does come. We do suffer. Heartache comes. Suffering comes. Difficulty. But just mark it down that the suffering you're going to go through here on this side, oh, friend, there's going to be a splash of glory on the other side. We do suffer here. I'm telling you, not all, not all suffering goes away. I watched a half-infidel preacher on the phone. It's a Twitter account. He asked people to send him money called a seed offering and then to take their hands if they were bald and put it on their head and believe God for their hair to grow. I said, why do I have to send offering to get that? Hmm? It seemed like if I was going to send a seed, I'd send hair. <laughs> An implant. <laughs> Are you going to suffer? You find somebody tells you that you get saved and then all they ain't nothing ever bad happens to you again, you better run from them like a snake on a playground. I'm not telling you all of life is bad, but I'm telling you suffering does come. Because it rains on the just and the unjust. Friend, you walk through that suffering, and I'm here to tell you the glory is going to come. Hallelujah. 
we, we need to pray for these jail cells to open, for God to give victory. There's tribulation, there's suffering, and thirdly, there's affliction. Affliction. Paul spoke of it as a momentary light affliction that's producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. There are afflictions that come our way. When you walk in those afflictions, we need to pray. We need to pray one for another. Here in just a moment, John's going to come begin to play, and I'm going to ask you if, if you've got some kind of issue, uh, you've got a jail cell in your life you need to pray about, I want you to come, I want to pray for you. I had a lady come in the first service, just weeping, took me by the hand, and she said, will you pray for me? I said, uh, I will. Yes, ma'am, how can I pray for you? She said, my mama's dying, and she's old, and I just paused, and I said, I tell you what, we'll make a deal right here. I said, we'll make a deal on this altar. I will pray for you, but only if you'll pray for me. I said, my mama's dying too. See, sometimes you, you can get the thought to thinking, don't nothing bad happen up here. So she quit crying and I started. <laughs> she prayed for me, I pray for her. And we're going to, you just come. We're just going to lay those needs before the Lord. You, you, I'll pray with you or some of our other folks. Or you just come lay it before the Lord yourself. But I, I don't want you to ever forget Romans 12, 12. If you're walking through a jail cell. If you're, if you're walking in, and I'm not talking about if you've been incarcerated for breaking the law. I'm talking about when this jail cell like Paul and Silas had. I want you to remember, when you walk in tribulation, suffering, affliction, never forget Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Put those three things together. Rejoice in your hope. There is a hope in Christ. And persevere in your tribulation. And be devoted to intercession because it's prayer that will see you through. You know what happened when they prayed. Hmm. My Lord, a revival broke out. And that leads us to that fifth prayer. And that is pray for the mouths of praise to open. Pray for mouths of praise to open. You, you notice it right here in the text. They, in verse 24, they threw them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing praises, hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there came a great earthquake. The foundation of the prison house it was shaken. Immediately, all the doors opened and everyone's chains run fastened. The jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open. He drew out his sword. He's going to kill himself. He said, Everybody's escaped. Verse 28, but Paul cried out, do yourself no harm, for we're all here. And he called. Somebody turned the lights on. And he rushed in, trembling, fell down. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul gave us that great text. Verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him. They gave him the gospel. Together with all that were in his house. And he took them that very night. We know they were saved because he washed their wounds and immediately he was baptized. They said, where did he get baptized? They went back down to the place of prayer. It was by the riverside. And there he was baptized. He and his whole family. 
we need to learn as Baptist people how to praise the Lord. We need to learn to sing hymns of praises. I have people say all the time, well, I like them old songs. Well, John wrote you a brand new old song. It's a hymn. You can just play it with the piano and there it'll go. I don't like them new songs. We'll get to liking them. Every hymn that's ever written was new one time. I can just hear Martin Luther. A mighty fortress. I don't like that new song. We need to learn to sing. Some of you, starting Wednesday night, need to get back in the choir. Need to grow that number. You need to get back in the choir. Some of you have never been in the choir. You need to be in the choir. Some of you never need to set foot in the choir. I've sat by you. I've been standing by you when we're singing. Please, in Jesus' name, stay where you are. But some of you know that God's put a tune in your heart, and you need to come be a part of that ministry. Some of you need to come back again, and some for the very first time. But all of us need to learn to sing in church. We need to learn to sing the praises of God. When the, when the preacher preaches, you need to learn to praise him. You need to learn not, not praise the pastor. You need to learn to praise the Lord. You, you need to say amen. You need to learn to say yes. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. I, I was standing right out here at this door early service this morning, a lady walked up to me and she had one of those little party favors that you have on New Year's Eve that you, you blow and it rolls out, you know, and it makes a little whistle. She said, Pastor, I told my Sunday school class I was going to pass these out to you and let you give one to everybody in church and if they, you said something they like, they blow that thing this morning. She said, the ladies in my class begged me, please do not do that. I said, why? They said, because they're afraid you'd do it. I said, okay. Well, the Bible says make a joyful noise. And somebody needs to learn to say amen in this house. Do, do you know God inhabits the praise of his people? I'm telling you, when you begin to glorify his name and sing and pray and play the instruments and give him glory in a beautiful way, God gets in that. And when he gets in that, he shakes the foundation stones and the jail cells start coming open. And chains start falling off. Hallelujah. Need to learn to praise him. So I want you to pray today. I want you to learn to pray that God would open the mouths of us in praise during this year. You can say amen. You you can put your hand up like this if you want to. Okay. If you get really full of the Spirit of God, you can put it way up here. That'll be good. If you ever noticed on on Christmas Eve, people don't mind taking that candle and putting it way up there. They'll they'll throw wax all over three rows if you're not careful. (laughs) Why? They're happy. Let me tell you, friend, there's a time and a place. 
The Bible says to lift holy hands unto the Lord, to praise his name. There's a time also, he says, to come quiet, come apart, and be silent, to be still. There's a time to shout and a time to refrain from shouting. You need to discern the spirit of the Lord and how and when to do that. When we play this song, I'm going to be standing right here. You're here today and you just need somebody to pray for you. You come. I'll pray for you. Some of our other guys will be over here. Ladies, we'll have them come. They'll pray with you or you can just pray with the pastor. You just want to come lay your need at the altar this morning. That'd be good. Maybe you're here and ought to join the church. Some did this morning and uh, link your life with our church. You're here today. You say, Pastor, I know if I was to die today, heaven wouldn't be my home. I'm, I don't know that I know I know I'm saved. Then come today. We're not going to embarrass you. We'll, we'll teach you. We'll show you how you can call on the name of the Lord. If God's opened your heart, then you come and we'll help you this day. As the Spirit of God draws you, I'm going to pray a brief prayer. When I say amen, I want us to stand. And when we stand, then you just come. Come to this altar praying, laying your trouble down. Come and ask the pastor to pray with you, over you this day. Let God's house be a house of prayer. Let this place be a place of prayer like it was in Philippi down by the riverside. Father, draw people to yourself this morning. Do your work. Encourage, strengthen. Push us through affliction to that great weight of glory. Save our lost friends. Expand the church. Have your way. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We are rising to stand. And as we stand all over this room, John plays. You come. And we'll be glad to pray for you. That's it. Just make your way.